the U.S. men's national team is days away from concluding a banner year with a pair of European friendlies in the coming days. This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. With me, as always, is Ivis Scalarsa. What's up, buddy? Hey, Garrett. How's it going? Doing well, man. It's good to uh, good to hear that you're uh, doing a little bit better. Your cold cold went away. Would say it went away. It's still it's still there a little bit, but uh, nothing that a half a bottle of Nyquil uh, can deal with. Of course, I was in a in a NyQuil induced coma for a large part of Tuesday, but uh, I'm feeling a little better now. Ready, ready to get back back on it. You know, NyQuil doesn't work for me, man. Benadryl. That's that that like gets me when I'm sick. Yeah, yeah. I'm horrible, man. Re- it dropped to like 50 the other day out here at Phoenix, and like I already got a cold. 50, man. I'm so pathetic. 50? Wow. It's, yeah. It was like. It was like 30s today. I know. In man. Jersey, it was chilly. It looks, oh, it looks horrible. I, I, I couldn't do that. Well, I have tons to talk about on today's show. We're going to do an SBI Q&A at the end of the show. Everyone wondering where the SBI Q&A is gone. Ivis and I only do it on the midweek shows. We're going to talk about Mexico, New Zealand. That's on Wednesday. And tons of U.S. men's national team news to talk about. The first being, as I said, the European friendlies against Scotland and Austria. Jurgen called in the roster and Ivis finally, we've been mentioning it on the show, we've been talking about it on the show every single month around this time, Eric Lehigh has been called into camp. Yes, it's finally happened. We can all end the crusade to get Eric Lehigh on a national team. Okay, I'm only kidding. But no, it, it, you have to say it's not, it's not at all that surprising. I mean, he's, he's been playing really well, starting regularly in England, and you know, given the right-back situation... Uh, who else was he going to turn to? I mean, it's pretty clear that Tim Chandler is is looking like he's got a permanent seat in Klinsman's doghouse. So once you once you you have him out of the equation, you have to look at Erli and and you know he's a player who he's versatile. He can play right back or left back. He's on good form. He starts regularly at right back. He can get forward into the attack. Uh, it's a good it's a good call up. And now you get to see him and see how he stacks up against Brad Evans, who. For right now, is still the starter, but you know, by no means is he a lockdown starter at right back, and and can't lose that job. And and there's also left back. I mean, Edgar Castillo's hurt. I think that might have actually helped open the door for Lehigh as well. Uh, with with Castillo out, you know, your your options are limited at left back. So so Lehigh gives you uh, gives you help on both fronts. And, and you're right, Ivis. That's the thing that makes this call for Eric Lehigh so juicy and so appealing is the fact when you look at the right back and left back situation, Demarcus Beasley, uh, Brad Evans. I mean, they've had it on lockdown for the most part, but I mean, first guy at the bench, you have to assume is Eric Lehigh. So you have to hope that maybe he'll get some minutes in that Scotland game, or maybe get a start against Austria. Oh, I think he's going to play. You know, I don't think you bring him in and, and not have him play. Uh, the, you know, the real question is how is he going to stack up against the other options there? And 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 you know, it, it's it's a process. And, this is the first step. It's his chance to, to, to impress Klinsman. We have to remember this is his first time being mm-hmm. in a camp with Klinsman. It's going to be for Klinsman's first chance to actually work with him. And I think it's a little crazy when you think about it, the fact that you know Lehigh has not been on the U.S. team since the 2011 Gold Cup final. Uh, a long time ago, and you know, for those who, who, who don't have good memories, Lehigh was really good in that tournament. Um, when he moved over and started at left back, he had, he had three really good games. And then obviously the Mexico game, he starts left back. Torrenola gets hurt. He moves over the right back. He struggled in that game. And that was it. That was it for him. He hasn't played since. But I, I, I've been saying it for I don't know how long. He's a very good option. I think he showed at times at Aston Villa against some really top-level competition that he has quality. And now, you know, we're going to get to see it. And, and hopefully for his sake, he, he can get on that field in, in, in one or both of these friendlies and, and, and show 
and get a chance to show how he can measure up against uh, measure up with someone like Brad Brad Evans. Mm-hmm. And, and I think the thing that makes this whole U.S. men's national team roster so appealing, Ivis, is when you look at it, the depth is the depth is there. I mean, you can make a case for so many guys to get playing time. Other guys have been called in. I mean, you look at the midfield, very crowded. Michael Bradley, Jermaine Jones, the red hot. Sasha Kleshin gets called in. Uh, I mean, it's going to be very difficult for Jurgen with a lot of these guys to get playing time because it's so great to see the amount of depth and the amount of talent the U.S. men's national team has right now, which is a good thing. Right, without a doubt. I mean, the fact is, you know, I know some people will look at the Breck Shea call up and say, why is he getting called in? But I mean, at the same time, there's a lot of players who, who are not available, uh, particularly left wing options, wing options in general, where Brad Evans, I'm sorry, Brad Davis, Graham Zussi, they're both in the playoffs, Landon Donovan. Is nursing an ankle injury, uh, you know. So that right there, that limits that that limits your options. Fabian Johnson just just now working his way back, uh, you know, working his way back from an injury. So uh, it, that that shows you just how far down the depth chart Breck Shea is. So I don't think anyone should get too crazy about the fact that a guy who isn't getting games, isn't getting minutes for Stoke City, is called in. You know, he's he's he, that he's pretty far down the list right now. And that's not going to change unless he gets a transfer move. Or I mean, well, not a transfer move. He's probably not going to transfer, but a loan move. He absolutely needs a loan move. I know that's it's still not a guarantee that that happens. But if he has, if he wants to have any realistic chance at the World Cup, he's going to have to make a move this winter. Well, I think one of the interesting calls, other than Breck Shea, is Chris Wondolowski. What do you make of this? You know, he, he finished the season well. He's on good form, and then there was obviously the development about him having a broken bone in his foot. And playing through that uh, for the year, which is crazy when you think about it, um, but it didn't affect him. In, at the end of the year, he still put in some pretty important goals to help San Jose really push for a playoff spot at the end of the year, um, and also qualify for the quarterfinals of the Champions League. So he ended the year well. Do I think he's a real threat to the other forward options? I really don't think so. You know, nothing against Wondolowski. He's a good player. Um, I just think when you want to talk about Josie Altador, Aaron Johansson, Terrence Boyd. Those three guys are, for me, the top guys. And then you have, obviously, Eddie Johnson. So I, I don't see Wondolowski getting ahead of those four um, that, anytime, anytime soon. I just don't see it. And that's what I don't that, – that's what kind of confuses me more about it when, when I think about it and guys that Jurgen could have called in. I mean, for me, I, I think it would have made more sense to bring in a guy like McInerney, get him his first taste of Europe no, on the road no, with the no, team. You don't think so? No, or Juan Agudelo, no, someone like that? Because no, there's no way no. Wondolowski's going to crack Brazil. No. There's no way. Well, I mean, that's I, – I don't know if you go that route either. You know, I mean, I think I think what Klinsman does is he goes with, with the depth chart as it stands at the moment, right? I mean, I don't think he – he uh, McInerney's not – do you honestly think Jack McInerney has a shot at Brazil? Uh, that that's I, I think that's a little ridiculous. I, I think if they're in the – if there were certain things play out a certain way injury-wise, Chris Wondolowski could be in Brazil. I don't think I, – I don't think that's that as much of a stretch – as McInerney would be. Uh, as far as Agudelo goes, I think Agudelo can definitely, if he gets time at Stoke City, can ser- absolutely play himself into the picture. But that's not—that's far from a sure thing. And and uh, you know, for me, if, if I'm a, an Agudelo fan, I'd be a little worried about that move because we have seen it uh, multiple American players before go to Stoke City and not get playing time, not get minutes, and 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 that could be a very real issue. And if he doesn't get minutes. He uh, he will not go to Brazil, and and that's the thing. That's the tricky part. There is, you know, you, you obviously you go there, you're gonna get the big payday. You're going to the Premier League. 
but you're also risking risking that opportunity. And uh, so that's why for me, I don't, you know, I I don't look at it as a snub of these other younger guys. I mean, I just think that when he looked at his when Klinsman looks at his depth depth chart, that's where he sees uh, Juan Velasquez. Well, Ivis, you mentioned the depth chart. You know, Chris, back. Uh, well, Ivis, you mentioned the depth chart. One guy, Mike McGee, had a fabulous year this year. And, you know, in recent years, there's always been talk of, you know, when's he going to get his call up in. With the year that he had for the LA Galaxy and the Chicago Fire, I mean, he made some comments saying that he was surprised that he didn't get called up. I mean, do you think he has a fair argument? Well, I mean, I've talked about this before, and, and we've definitely touched on the topic of Mike McGee with the national team before. Look, he had a great year. There's no doubt. There's no disputing that. MVP caliber season. He's a quality player, good finisher. But the question boils down to where do you see him on the national team? And if you're Jurgen Klinsman and you're looking at him as a player, you ask yourself, okay, is he going to be a forward on our team? Can he play as a forward in our system? I don't know if he's necessarily a good fit there. Okay, are you going to play him on the wing? Are you going to play him as a left winger on the international level? Does he have the athletic qualities, the two-way qualities to be an effective winger on the international level? And that there's questions there. I don't. I don't think he's a fit there. So, and, and you know, he's not. He's not exactly a young player anymore. He he is an outstanding MLS player, no doubt about it. Could he? Could he be someone who you know, if you're talking about Concacaf competition, uh, in a Gold Cup or, or playing in a qualifier, could he help give you something? I think that's. I think that's the case. But beyond that, I think anybody who really thinks that his, his MLS success would automatically transfer over translate to the highest international level. I just don't see it. I just don't think that's the case. I think he's at a, at a point now in career when I, I think he'd be pretty limited on the international level. And that, that's what I think some people, I think sometimes people don't, don't, you know, they lose sight of the fact that it's another level. It's a certain qualities that you just need to have to compete on that level. And athlete, athleticism and speed is definitely, definitely one of those. If you're going to be a forward slash wing option, you, you, you know, you just have to have that, and and I just you know I, I'm pretty sure that when Klinsman looks at McGee, he he sees a player who, yes, quality MLS player, but has his limitations as an international prospect. And and who knows, maybe January, he t- he takes a look at him in January. I think that could absolutely still happen. And I think McGee could get a look there and get a, and then have Klinsman take a closer look at him. But to suggest that you know it, it's a it's a you know surprise is it a surprise that. He, no, I don't. I don't really see that. I don't really see that 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 being the case at all. Yeah, I, I just I, I like what Jurgen's been able to do, where he's been able to bring in these young guys and kind of introduce them to camp, but not put them in games, but just kind of get them around the routine of the U.S. Men's National Team. The other guys, I like that. I, I just I guess for me, I, I guess I would see more of an opportunity for a young guy benefiting this from Chris Wondolowski. You mentioned Ivis though, the loan of Wanagadello. Jurgen today, I'm sorry, on Tuesday spoke about. Uh, loans for a bunch of guys, and, and we've talked about this, Ivis, that a lot of guys need to to move on and look for a new team. You know, as far as guys who need to do that, I mean, who's at the top of your list that you see needs to move on and get some big-time playing minutes uh, come January, February, and March? Well, Agadello's move is a transfer. It's actually a free transfer. It's not a loan. Uh, he's going to Stoke City on a free. Um, as far as guys who could use loans, you know, Graham Zussi, I think is a clear example. Uh, Landon Donovan's an option is a possibility. Clint Dempsey, you know, now that Seattle season's over a little early, I mean, Clint Dempsey's looking at what six weeks off before the new year. So that's you know that's a good amount of time for him to rest and, and recover and and find a, a club to play for. And I think all those guys should absolutely be options uh, to take loans out. Uh, I don't know who else. Um, 
realistically can make a move, uh, make a loan move. Um, Matt Beasler, possibly as someone you, you might you might think about. Again, the it depends a lot on what these guys do now here at the end of the year. I mean, if you're if you're Beasler or Zussi and you're playing on you're playing in the MLS Cup final, uh, are you really going to have just a three week break and then go right into a January loan? That that that's that's where it can get tricky as well. So. Uh, I think we'll see some guys move on loan, but uh, at the same time, I don't, I don't know if we're going to see all these guys go on loans. And Ivis, we will get more into the U.S. Men's National Team later this week on our Friday SBI show. Keeping it U.S. Men's National Team related, Tab Ramos, head coach of the U.S. Men's U-20 team, has been hired to replace Claudia Reina as the U.S. National Team Youth Technical Director. Ivis, what do you make of this move? Well, you know, it's... Uh... I don't know what to make of it. I mean, it's a he's a he's a good soccer coach. He's a good uh, teacher of young players. Uh, I think there were some questions about whether he'd be an option for MLS teams, and I I don't really get the sense that those options uh, you know ever materialized for him. So if you're Ramos and you have that opportunity to take on a job like like he just took on, I mean, you kind of jump on it. So I know there are going to be some people who look at the U20 team, and there's some mixed. There's some mixed opinions about his work with the U20s and whether or not it was a success or not. And, mm-hmm. you know, some people look at the results and say the results weren't great. But then you look at the soccer they tried to play and, they, you know, you can take some some value out of that. So for me, I think he clearly showed, you know, he, he was trying to teach a uh, a more creative attacking style. And, and, and I think the players did respond to it on mm-hmm. a certain level. So from that standpoint, you could see why, you know, the, the powers that be in the U.S., national team set up someone like or especially someone like Klinsman looked at that work and said he's doing it the right way he's doing the right thing it's not all about the results on the youth level mm-hmm. it's really about building these players up teaching them systems and styles and getting them comfortable uh in these systems and, and trying to play uh a, a more wide-ranging uh style of soccer and I think we're seeing that with with what the work that Ty Ramos has done and, and he did guide the U20s a second uh, as runner-up in the CONCACAF qualifying. And, and you mentioned the opponents. I mean, the U, the team did play some difficult opponents, especially in the World Cup. I mean, you had Spain, you lost. France, you drew. You lost to Ghana. But those three matches, I mean, those three teams, very difficult. But I think the one positive thing, though, from the U20s, Ivis, as you said, I mean, it's not about – look, yes, you do want to win, but you want to develop. And, and I think the exciting thing is you saw the amount of talent that – that the U.S. is starting to produce. I mean, you look at a guy like Luis Gill, who's outstanding in that U-20 World Cup, Alonso Hernandez, Cuevas, Jonder Yedlin. So, I mean, there's a lot of talent coming through, and I, and I think that's the positives you can take from the U-20s. Right. I mean, it, it, people have to remember the fact that the three teams they played in the group stage, you can argue, were three of maybe the four or five best teams in the entire tournament. I mean... Come on, let's get serious. It, it was beyond a group of death. It was like a, it was a group of no hope, pretty much for the U.S. <laughs> and when you look back on it, and you know what, they had their moments in that tournament. They had mm-hmm. their moments where they played some pretty good soccer and they could have gotten some better results. Uh, they so, played well against Spain, right? So I mean, I, I agree. I, so I, I think when when you when you look back on it that way, you can say, you know what, there's some positives there. Is that to say that Ramos is completely blameless and, and did a perfect job? I I don't agree there. I think some of his call-ups and, and, and decisions on the roster were questionable. I think, as an example, not bringing in Walker Zimmerman, I think, was an mm-hmm. absolute flat-out mistake, uh, you know, and, and having uh, you know having him home, stay home while a player like Javon Torre ends up having to play center back for you. You know, I think it wasn't a perfect uh, tournament for him by any means, but I think the work he's doing, you can point to it and say, you know what, he's doing a good job there. 
and uh, France would go on to win that World Cup by Viscana finished third in it. Right, and Spain was the favorite out of that group, yeah. which is the scary part. And they, you know they got to the quarters. And there's no guarantee that winning the U20 World Cup is going to give you, you know, you know, senior level World Cup success. Well, the international break that we're on is not only for teams who have qualified for the World Cup to get their extra games in. It's also to determine the home-and-home series for many regions close to home in the CONCACAF on Wednesday. Mexico is hosting New Zealand. I guess there's been lots of talk, the marketing, the money, what the fans will do, this and that. Mexico at home, Ivis. I'm going to say it. I think they will win, and I think everything will be fine. I think they'll qualify for the World Cup, and it will be good for everyone in our region if Mexico qualifies. I agree, and I think they will. I, I don't think there's much to worry about on that front. I think they're going to take care of business. Uh, New Zealand, uh, they're going to make it tough. You know, They're going to bunker in. They're going to frust- try to frustrate Mexico. Uh, the first leg's in Azteca, where Mexico hasn't exactly had the best results uh, lately. So... It's by no means a, a gimme, but, you know, especially when New Zealand uh, lost one of their better players. Uh, Winston Reed is out for the game for them. Um, but I still think defensively they're going to really try to bunker in and frustrate uh, frustrate Mexico. So mm-hmm. the key for Mexico is, is having patience uh, in their buildups and not getting desperate and realizing it's a two-lake series and realizing that, you know what, New Zealand's not exactly a team that's going to score a ton of goals either. So... You don't have to want to try to go out there and and, and make it four nil in in the first five minutes. It's about patience. It's about build ups. It's about breaking down a team that's absolutely going to bunker in. Well, head coach Miguel Herrera did not call in any European based players. Only calling in a squad of Liga MX players. Ivis, with the European guys not there, you know Chicharito, Dos Santos. Do you think this is going to come bite him in the butt? Uh, well, I'll tell you what. I think it definitely turns some heads when you made that decision, but uh, you know, I can understand it. Right. I mean, when you think about the fact that uh, he, he, he stuck with Mexican league base players, which means cutting down on travel, uh, cutting down on, on the whole adjustment to the time zone difference and, you know, European players having to make that adjustment. And the fact is the European guys haven't really played well. So, um, you know, how much are you really losing uh, from that standpoint? Uh, also, it gives Herrera a chance to kind of build his team around that nucleus of his own guys, you know, Club America guys who, you know, Club America just totally torn up the Mexican League. So they played well as a team. You bring those guys in who have that familiarity, who play their home games at Azteca. So, I mean, it, you could not ask for a more comfortable situation for that group. And again, you're playing New Zealand, right? You're not playing, you know, the Spain or Netherlands. You're playing a New Zealand team that's going to come in and bunker. So if you can bring a team together that has familiarity, mm-hmm. has that comfort zone at Azteca, doesn't have to travel a lot, doesn't have to adjust to the time zones, you can totally understand why he would make the moves that he's making. Uh, I'm sure it's going to make some people nervous, some Mexican fans nervous and make some people scratch their heads, but I, I understand the, the logic behind it. And you know what? I think it's going to pay off. I think they're going to win. Uh, pretty comfortably, you know, probably like 2-0 in Mexico. Mm. Um, and then, you know, it's going to be on New Zealand to, to open things up in the second leg. And, um, you know, it, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for New Zealand. And I, th- I think Mexico is going to get the job done. And two weeks ago, Mexico did defeat New- uh, Finland 4-2 to with, with kind of the same squad right here. I and mean, we saw a little bit of life from Mexico, what we haven't seen at all this year, you know, attacking play. few defensive lapses, though, but I think at home, like you said, Ivis, with a bunch of Club America guys, in that game against Finland, there were seven of them in the starting 11. I think uh, 
I think Mexico will, will will jump out, score early, and then just you know, as New Zealand will bunker, like you said, two zero. Sounds about right. I mean, I think the second leg is going to be worth watching. And for everyone listening to the show on your way to work, make sure you ditch at three Eastern, twelve Pacific to watch the game. Um, just tell your boss that the SBI show told you to, especially Ivis Galarsep. Moving over to the American League, Ivis, on the last show we talked about, the coaching carousel, a couple new hires, Frank Gallup, Greg Berhalter. Uh, right after our show, Seattle Sounders made some news talking about the head coach, Ziggy Schmidt. What's the latest on that? Uh, Sounders GM Adrian Hanauer came out, and uh, you know it, it, he didn't exactly give Ziggy Schmidt a vote of confidence. Uh, if anything, he, he seemed to be more concerned with the fact that everyone's blaming Siggy Schmidt for Seattle's problems instead of spreading the blame between Schmidt and Hanauer. Uh, it sounds like they're going to take the next couple of weeks to, to assess the situation and then make a decision from there. So it sounds like Siggy Schmidt's job is not yet safe. And for me, I think the timing of, timing of it all is a little curious because you know, when you say you need two more weeks to assess things, that just also happens to be the amount of time that uh, you could have to wait for Jason Christ to become available. So I think that that's something that bears watching. I think Seattle, I'm pretty sure Seattle wouldn't mind having Jason Christ be their coach. And uh, as we all know, Jason Christ is in the last year of his deal. He will be a free agent at the end of the season. So I think he's a coach everyone would like to have because he's, he's that highly regarded and uh, it's just not looking good for Siggy Schmidt. You know, mm-hmm. if you're Siggy Schmidt, you got to be thinking, well, uh, this this is pretty crappy. <laughs> you know, I'm just kind of in limbo now. Uh, he wants to stick around, and he's obviously going to wait it out and see what happens. But I don't really get a sense that he's going to stick around. And you know what? This is what will happen. I think Seattle's going to see if they can get Christ. And if they can't get Christ, uh, they might have to stick with Siggy Schmidt just because, you know what? Yeah. How, who else? Who else is out there? Yeah, I was that... going to say that. I mean, if they if they fire him, who can they get to replace him? That's going to be as good as what they are giving up. Well, that's the question. I mean, there are a lot of good, interesting candidates out there, but I, there aren't many that you can say, oh, well, he's an upgrade to Siggy Schmidt. Siggy Schmidt's one of the better coaches in the history of the league, right? I mean, he's won MLS Cups with multiple teams. He won three Open Cups with Seattle, obviously. He's a good coach. He's a quality coach. He's one of the top for me. He's one of the better coaches around. This year didn't go great for them by any means uh, compared to the expectations, but he's still someone who who is a high level coach. And if you can't find someone near that level on that level, then you can't just make a change because you just feel like you need to make a change. Maybe they'll you know do the new trend and hire someone with no head coaching experience. Well, I tell you what, big teams like you know, <laughs> I don't see that happening. Not in Seattle. I, I don't. I don't think with all the money that they've spent there. I know you can say New York. Yeah, I think York, that's an exception to the rule. No, well, in New York's case, Mike Pecky, he he is New York. He is he he bleeds Red Bull, right? I mean, he he's a he's a lifer. He's a hometown guy. Like if Seattle had a guy like that, then you could say, oh, maybe that guy could be the Jason uh, the Jason uh, the Siggy Schmidt replacement in Seattle. But they don't have that guy. They don't have a, someone who is like you know quintessential Seattle Sounders guy who's going to take over, um, who's an assistant now. They don't have anyone like that. So uh, I think it's either you, you can go get Jason Christ or you keep Siggy Schmidt. I, I think if you, if you go, if you do anything other than that, I think if you're Seattle, I think you're, you're you know, I think you're costing yourself. You know, I, th- I think you're, you're not really making yourself better. So I think those are pretty much the options. Well, Ivis, we've reached the end of a short midweek show. 
Wednesday. That means it's the SBI Q&A. It's back. As always, if anyone wants to send your questions, do it on Twitter. Hashtag Ask the SBI Show. We check it all the time. So you can send in a question. We will check it a week later. First question comes from Chris A. On a scale of 1 to 10, what are the chances Timmy Tandler goes to Brazil? Timmy Chandler in Brazil uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, I put the chances at about a one and a half. I say 0.1. I don't, I don't, no, listen, I won't say zero because we're talking about Jurgen Klinsman. He, Jurgen Klinsman, uh, he, he, you know what? He's open minded, right? I mean, I, I, I think he's, I think he's pissed off. I'll say that. I think he's not happy with Chandler. I think he's going to make him sweat. And you know what? We don't know what's going on right now. We don't know the latest. We don't know what happened when Andy Herzog went to Nuremberg and saw and watched Chandler and how their, those conversations went. So until we hear Chandler come out and say, okay, I want to be here. I want to be there. I don't. I can't. I, I don't want to take time away from my team. Until we know for sure, we, we, we just kind of have to look at, look at it from the outside looking in. And right now it just seems like uh, Klinsman doesn't, isn't going to be bothered with it. And now Klinsman's moved on to Eric Lehigh. Yeah, and exactly. I think, and, and I think for me, Eric Lehigh is going to hold on to that spot. I think Eric Lehigh, I, I really think he's a good player. I think he's someone who's going to stay in the in the mix now. He's going to take full advantage, and I think he's going to stick around. And it's going to make it that much tougher for Chandler to get in the back in the conversation. That said, I wouldn't say zero. I'd say he's still got a chance because he's still a good player. And you know what? Between now and March – which is would be the next time he can probably he could you know realistically get called in. Um, a lot can happen. You know he could have a change of heart. Maybe you know some of the other German Americans have a conversation with him, talk to him, get through to him, or maybe he realizes that you know what I have a chance to play in a World Cup. What the hell am I doing? I should be doing everything in my power to be on that team because playing in a World Cup is the ultimate ultimate thing in your in your career as a as a soccer player. And the fact is, he's he's cap tied now. He's not playing for anyone but the United States. If he ever in his life wants to play in a World Cup, he needs to get his act together, apologize to Klinsman, or or let Klinsman know that he absolutely wants to play for the U.S. and 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 it means something to him. And once he and, and if he does that, he he I think Klinsman will bring him back in. Klinsman has shown in the past that you know what he'll he'll put someone out in the cold, but he'll bring him back in. So for that reason, I won't say zero. But I'd say right now, I'd put it at a two. I said 0.1%. So not exactly zero. But for Eric Lehigh, though, yeah. you can't understate how big this call-up is for him. And for him to really go on top of the depth chart over someone like Timmy Chandler, that's a huge opportunity. And it's not just right back. It's also left yes, back. Yes, it's you true. talk about Eric Lehigh. Eric Lehigh, I mean, I think for those who remember the Gold Cup in 2011, uh, when when uh, Bob Bradley moved Carlos Bocanegra into cent- into the center back spot and put Lehigh at left back for three games, Eric Lehigh was very good at left back, right? I mean, I think he's a better right back, but given the options at left back where you're kind of not so sure, you and, and and obviously Fabian Johnson is someone that has shown that maybe he's better as a left winger. Um, Lehigh could could be invaluable in that way and and being able to play either position. All right, Davis. Next question comes from Eric Pearson. Does Christ stay with RSL? If not, who would you see replacing him? Uh, I think I've said this before. Or maybe I should I think... answer this since you know I, I work for the team Inside Information. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. you have so much inside. Information. Yeah, uh, I would say this. I don't see Jason Christ back. I think he's gone. I think you have a change in ownership there. I think it's a, it's a clean cut for him. He can he can move on now. And, and and try new things and, and and maybe go to a team that has deep pockets and some money and where he can actually 
you know, build a powerhouse. I mean, he's done that and, in RSL. And, and this is and where, this is regardless of what happens in the playoffs this season, whether they win yeah. or lose. Yeah, I don't think that changes a thing. I mean, if anything, I think winning a title makes it easier, right? You win that, you win, you go out on a high. You go out winning two cups, having won two cups, uh, MLS cups. There, what, what more is there to prove, right? I mean, that that's it. Now you move on to the next challenge. Um, I, I'd say I, I don't, I don't see him coming back. I don't. And and who replaces him? I think the first phone call is uh, Robin Frazier. I think Robin Frazier is the natural the logical choice to, to, to replace him. Nivis, next question comes from Sam. Does Bradley need to move? Re- he, this guy Sam sa- then says, I read some harsh articles about him recently. Well, I don't know what harsh articles you've been reading, Sam, uh, because let's face it, <laughs> if anyone can write an article these days and call it an article, even though some of them aren't necessarily the best best thing you want to be reading. Uh, Michael Bradley, <laughs> look, Especially on, that, especially on that website, soccerbyivis.net. Yeah, right. Okay, settle down. Settle down, AZ kicks it. Okay. <laughs> um, I, w- I would say this. Um, I think he might have to make a move, but you know what? If he's still getting playing time, um, it might be hard for him to move because, you know, they, I think he, I think Roma still sees him as an option. We're not talking about a Breck Shea Stoke City situation where Michael Bradley can't even get on the bench. Michael Bradley is getting minutes, right? He's not starting every game. He's not starting regularly. I, and but but again, you're talking about the number one team in the, in Italy right now, the first place team in Serie A. They have a stacked midfield. It's tough. It's tough. So the question, if you're Michael Bradley, is do you leave this great team, this great team, where you are getting your chances to play, for a lesser team where you're going to have steady playing time? And that's a tough question, man. That's a tough decision for him to make. I would say if between now and January 1, if he's, if his minutes are decreasing or if he's not seeing much playing time, then yes, you have to you have to think about a move. But if he's still getting games here and there, if he's still come, you know, get making substitutes appearances, if he's still in the mix uh and in Rudy Garcia's plans at Roma, I don't see how you move. I don't I I really don't I really don't see how you make that move. And if you also look at his recent games, he 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 has started one of his last four and he's he's come on in the last four matches. So he's getting playing time. He's totally not like you said, it's not Brexit where he's not even getting any playing time at all. I have his next question comes from Chris McGuffin. What does LA need to focus on improving during the off season and how will zero DP spots open affect that? Well, that's the tricky part now. And what's interesting is, you know, for for however long it's been, MLS did not have defenders as designated players. And now Omar Gonzalez, is, he's that first one, right? He's that first pure center back designated player. And what that does now is that means you only have two other designated player slots to use on attacking players. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens there because they need they need to go get uh, an impact player an impact attacking player. They, they need a winger, uh, someone dynamic to really kind of be a difference maker there. Robbie Rogers, you know what, maybe with an off season, does he, does he improve and does he help you? I don't think he's the guy. Jose Villarreal is someone maybe could next year be his breakout possibly, but I think LA needs to go hit the international market. And you know what, they, it's going to be tough without that DP slot to, to use, but that's where you have to earn your money and get creative and, and, and go find value. Uh, on the international market, so that's going to be the challenge for LA is to see how how they hit that international market. I mean, they did it with Juninho, right? I mean, Juninho was a great addition for them, 
uh, back when they signed him. Now they need to go get another player like that uh, to help their attack. Because I think their defense is fine. I think, you know, Todd Donovan's getting older, but Greg Cochran is, is looking like he could be a good option for them. Center back. Kofi Apare is, is looking like he could end up being a starter for them for years to come. Mm-hmm. They still they still have AJ De La Garza, so that, the back line think, is good, man. Good. Their and defense young. they have they have they have depth, they have quality. That's not an issue. Jaime Pinedo looks like the real deal of goal in, in goal. So they, they, they add, the, add the guys up top too. Jack Bing, Azardis, well, Jose Villarreal. I don't know if you start with Jack. Okay, McBean. well I'm, at, I'm okay. I said all three. I recovered by naming the last two. I well, recovered. He, he's not even really in a conversation. You you want to talk about Robbie Keane, Landon Donovan? Jesse's artist. Um, so they, they're they still they're still one of the better teams in the league. But they if they're going to be a title winner again, they have to go get uh, an impact one more impact attacking player. They they need one unless unless Villarreal breaks out unless Villarreal has uh, has a breakout year like Diego Fagundes just had, which I'm not I, I don't I wouldn't I don't want to say is impossible. Hey, it could absolutely happen because Diego Fagundes a year ago. I don't know how many people would have had him scoring 13 goals this year. So they either need Villarreal to break out or, or they need to go sign a, an impact attacking player. And he has the talent to do that. Next question comes from Nihal before the question. Nihal, what happened, man? Ever since I beat you on FIFA 14, you've yet to challenge me. Uh, I guess the question is, where does Freddie do go now? Humble, humble brag. Oh, there, Gary. <laughs> Dude, um, I, I spanked him, man. Can answer the question though. <laughs> <laughs> nice to see you have so much time, free time in your hands. Um, uh, all right, Freddie, you do. You know what? Uh, he, obviously, he's he's looking to make his next move. Uh, Mexico has been rumored. Uh, nothing's done yet on that front, from what I understand. He has not. There, there's been no. Nothing's locked in yet, so it's all still in limbo. It's it's November still. He's not going to make a move until January. I think he's going to weigh his options. I think Europe is a possibility. I think maybe a return to Turkey is something that could, that, that that could be in the works. I do think Mexico is an option. I mean, with his his qualities and the money they have in Mexico to pay players, I think he's someone who who I think would be a good fit there, and I think it'd be a, a, the style of play in that league could suit him well. I know Puebla has been rumored uh, as a possibility, and, and you know they've had their success with American players, so you can understand why they'd be interested. Uh, so I, I think it's, for me, it's either going to be going back to Turkey where he did well at Rizespor in the Turkish second division or, or Mexico. I think I could see one of those two. I don't see him. Uh, MLS is, is an interesting one because you know what? I think he'd have to take a serious pay cut to have some teams express interest. And I don't know if he's ready to do that just yet. I don't know if he has to do that just yet. I think, I think he could still make some decent money in Mexico or even in Europe. Ivis, the final question comes from Sergio Gonzalez. What are the chances Cahill, Henri, and a major DP name are together for CONCACAF Champions League? Uh, uh, major DP signing? I don't know if that's gonna. I don't know if that's gonna happen because you know why? They would still have to fit that on their cap, and I don't know how much kind of. I don't know how much money uh, they've got laying around in their cap to go to go squeeze in a, a third DP. Uh, right away. I mean, could they have one in the summer? I think the summer is usually a better window to go get somebody, um, as they've shown in, the, in with both the guys they have. Three uh, were both summer uh, summer signings. So, uh, uh, you know, well, then again, Champions League it would be next year. You know what? You're. I agree. Yes, I think they will have a third DP by the time the Red Bulls are competing in Champions League. So, yes, I agree there. Well, Ivis, that wraps up the Q and A. That wraps up the show. Uh, I think I think we covered everything in this week's midweek midweek show. Yeah, I think it was a pretty good show. You know, I'm, I'm still I'm still recovering 
from my two day just beat down by whatever this this flu that I got. Um, uh, you know, hopefully we'll be back to 100 uh, percent for Friday's show as we as we preview the U.S. game, the U.S. Scotland game uh, on Friday. I will not be there. I'll be here stateside. I might actually be taking in that Argentina Ecuador match here in Jersey. Uh, but they're, they're, they're hopefully between now and then we'll have some more to talk about on the MLS coaching front. Uh, there's so many jobs in play right now. Uh, so many jobs that are still question marks, you know, wh- whether teams are going to make moves or not make moves. Someone like the Philadelphia union, who I think at this point, it, it's really looking like John Hackworth safe. He's going to keep his job. Um, so there's still, there's still plenty to talk about the hot and the hot stove is coming around. I mean, the, you know, the college season is wrapping up, so it's it's getting to that time for to start talking about the MLS draft and the top MLS prospects. I'm already working on on my lists for to to let everyone know who the top prospects are coming out. I'm sure some other people will put lists out, but you know you're gonna want to wait for our, the SBI rankings, which are usually you know for my money the best around. So keep an eye out for those. And uh, humble, humble brag. Hey, you know what? Proof's in the pudding, my friend. You can ask anyone in the league, and they'll tell you the same thing. Um, but you know what? It, it's it's get, it's a fun time of year. There's no off season. There's no off season. There's always something going on, and and uh, we'll bring it. We'll try to bring it all to you. Are, are you Todd McShay or or am I Todd McShay? Or which one of us is Mel Kiper? That's <laughs> I'm, the question. I, I'm Mel Kiper. You are nobody. <laughs> You're not. You. I don't think. Could you name five college soccer players that aren't that were not? Uh, former members of your academy. Uh, exactly. Thank I, you. I can. Uh, Thank you. I could probably name three, possibly. I just dropped the mic right there. Cause three. You... I can name three. Hey, please. The, the guys that the guys at our academy are kicking butt anyway. So those yeah, are the but that, but that's only those only are the names guys, you need to know anyway. Those are the guys you know. Yeah. And you know what? That's a pretty impressive list. I'll give you that. Yeah. I. It, you know what? What they do down there is pretty amazing. Um. Ivis, well, man, do that. Uh, that wraps it up. I'll talk to you later this week, guys. We will preview the Scotland versus U.S. Men's National Team game on the Friday SBI show. Yes, sir. And we're moving and edging ever so closely towards episode 100. Uh, it, it'll be here before you know it. Uh, I'm already checking flight prices to see. Uh, at this point, it's either going to be KC, Salt Lake, KC, Salt Lake, or Portland. And I still, I still think Portland could win it. I still think they could pull it off. So it's going to be one of those three. And uh, we'll know in about, what, 10 days? And uh, we can start booking our flights and making our plans and definitely looking forward to, to episode 100. In terms of which city is the coolest, like, I, I, I'm pulling for, I kind of want to pull for Portland because I think just Portland would be really fun. I think you're. I think your phone's ringing right now. I think I think your bosses are, are on the, on the horn right now. Shoot, ready to chew you out. You know what? I, no, nothing against. You know what? So nothing against Salt Lake, but I think anyone who who wants to see a who wants to go to MLS Cup to party, I think is going to be rooting for Kansas City or Portland. I think I think those are the the, the party cities that people can root for. Well, hey, if it's if it, if it's in Salt Lake, I mean, we could just drive up to Park City and go snowboarding. I mean, it's only like twenty minutes away. That that could be ideal, actually. Just lost our entire audience right there. Why? Just what are you talking to... about? <laughs> I'm well, sure, there's, we'll an, see, I'm sure there's enough people listening to the show that that are already hitting the mountains right now with how cold <laughs> it is in, t- in the entire U.S. Said, all right, Ivis, that wraps it up, man. Uh, I will talk to you later this week, all right, man? Yes, sir. As always, everyone, thank you for listening to the show. Thank you for the questions, and thank you for everything else you do. This is the SBS Show.